Welcome to Orange is the New Cast, the officially unofficial podcast for Netflix's Orange is the New Black television series. I'm your host, Aaron, and joining me tonight, she's the director of a Fortune 500, a, a diversity director for a Fortune 500 company. She runs Diversity uh, diversity Nerd on a, a blog, which she'll be giving a link here in a minute. It's Pilani. Welcome her back. Aloha, everybody. Good you, to be back. You are super aloha right now because I hear you just got back from the island. I did. I was on Kauai for about six days, and uh, this is my first day back, so I'm still on Hawaii time, which means uh, I woke up at about 2 a.m. Hawaii time to go to my regular day job. Mm. So we're getting full-on sleep that revived, loopy, crazy, who knows what's going to come out of her mouth, Pilani, which is best Pilani. I know. I, sh- <laughs> I should definitely have a Mai Tai while I'm recording this. We'll never know what comes out. <laughs> Um, this episode is entitled We Have Manners, We're Polite, is directed by Constantine Makris, who also directed the uh, one about Sister Ingalls a couple episodes back, and written by Jinji Cohan, the showrunner, writer-producer of Orange. What did you think of this episode? Because it was a super, it was a 90-minute long episode. Yes, it definitely, it felt like 90 minutes to me, actually. Um, and I, the first time I watched it, I thought, gosh, I'm not giggling as much as I used to. Uh You know, there was less emphasis on the comedy and more emphasis on the drama. But I think that Constantine Macris is, he's a prime drama kind of guy. So it fits with the director. But I don't know about your thoughts. Well, so the first time I watched it, we had just finished, we were finishing up and it was like Sunday night and it was almost one o'clock in the morning. And I think it was 1230, and we're like, you know, do we want to watch this? You know, Cecily has to get up early in the morning. I usually get up with her. It's like, you know, well, it's the last episode. Let's go for it. And then we're watching it and watching it and watching it. We're like, Jesus Christ, what? This feels like it's the longest episode ever. And we were up to like 2.30, completely trashed. Um, And I thought I was all over the place this episode, honestly. There was points that I was ready to kind of call bullshit, but I felt like it had a lot of heart in the end. Uh, Yeah, I got got kind of emotional at a couple points at the end, which we'll talk about. I think we should just kind of go ahead right in the the episode. We also got two really outstanding emails to read at the end I'm excited about. Oh, fantastic. Um, Good. Let's do this. But we got uh, the the, the two prison guards... Uh, O'Neill and his girlfriend, who I can never remember her name, are talking about how it's turning into fucking Rikers in here with people getting schlocked and stabbed back to back. Uh, they've got people from the internal investigation arm of the uh, uh, penitentiary system coming to shake everybody down and try to figure out what the hell's going on. The guards get there and Caputo goes to meet him, but they have had instructions to meet with Mrs. Figaro exclusively. So he just kind of gets shut out of the situation, which he's bummed about. Yeah, I think it was sort of set up Caputo sort of being emasculated, you know, feeling like he's trying to, all right, cool. He said the, you know, internal investigators were coming in. So he's like, all right, gentlemen, let's get started. You can come over to my office. And yeah. they completely shut him down. They're like, uh, I don't think so. You know, right. we've got instructions. We're supposed to talk to Figueroa, not you. Can you go get me some coffee? Yeah. Just sort of see his, pe- his penis sort of just shrank up, you know. <laughs> the Coke can just was crushed. <laughs> Um, and and, and put in a bin for recycling. No, good point. And especially since I feel like he had, I kind of the expectation since figs had been so hands off and dismissive that maybe she would just let him take this scandal du jour. But I feel like she was trying to do some damage control behind the scenes. Maybe. 
Yeah, I, I don't know what was going on there, but it's definitely a good setup for Caputo's journey in this episode. Although I got to say, based on what happens next, where we see Caputo, not next, but uh, when he goes in to confront her about the paperwork and she's just sobbing, I wonder how much dealing, I mean, how what was her, their meeting like with her, you know? She's just sobbing underneath her desk and the investigators come in. The It, it feels like that... Everybody here in the prison pretty much knows who's who did it. Black Cindy and Watson are talking in the uh, what is it? is that the maintenance locker, the maintenance closet. They're talking about oh, yeah. the you know the, the latest theories, and V surprises them. She's been listening into the whole conversation, and she says, "Here's the script is we're going to blame this on Suzanne, aka Crazy Eyes, and if you don't get on board, there's more socks and more locks." To make more schlocks, schlocks on schlocks. <laughs> it's sort of the uh, the R-rated version of a Dr. Seuss book or something. Yeah, locks on schlocks. Yeah, yeah. We and this is kind of the episode is the fall of the House of V, and something that I it's something I'm always interested in when you're watching criminal enterprises in fiction is it seems like there's always a point where they get too paranoid, they don't know who to trust. They backstabbed the wrong people, and that's what leads ultimately to their downfall. Right. you got to extend a little bit of trust to your underlings, but you're put in a position where you can't trust anyone and bad things happen. Right. I mean, her manipulative ways just kicked her right in the ass in this episode. Uh, but when she walked in on them to on this um, – in the closet, she was so scary, right? She just kind of popped up out of nowhere. Yeah, Jason and Voorhees style. her face. Jason Voorhees, that's right. Yeah, if you look at her face, she had sort of this maniacal smile on her face. So if you were to just see her, you would think she looked fine and happy. But when you kind of looked dead in her eyes, you knew there was something brewing underneath, sort of the storm that was building inside of her. Yep, indeed. Um, They had a bunch of interviews. They show, and the show has done this a couple of times this season, where they just kind of show rapid-fire interviews about Valentine's Day, and this wasn't about the criminal investigation we, it seems like the white folk are all, it's V. You know, she's a bad seed. Nikki is vehemently about it. She doesn't like, uh, yeah. she does not like the investigators n- n- talking about Red in not her nickname, her, her, her street name terms. The Latinas are all like, yeah, we think Crazy Eyes did it. Uh, and then, of course. No, but but you got to be clear, like Marissa just sits down and she says, I think it's the black one. <laughs> that's and true. There's a pause, right? With the hair. <laughs> and it's, talk to me, Marissa. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what the bl- do you mean? What do you mean? Yeah, it's like uh, the black one with the hair. Still no help. With, yeah. the, with the scary <laughs> eyes. Oh, that could be V. You know, um, of course, Cindy and Watson are all carrying V's water as well. Red even says that she was attacked from behind uh, and she didn't see anyone. She, for some reason, is following this no snitching and code of Omerta. Uh, Sister Sister Ingalls is understandably really pissed about her refusal to cooperate in the investigation. We then have... Go ahead. I was just saying, really holding on to that sort of old-school mentality that we take care of our own issues inside the prison. Despite the fact that she had her face slashed in. Did you love the makeup they did on her? I was was going to get to that in a different scene, but my God, the stuff they did with Kate and Mulgrew and how effective she was at emoting through that... I know. I was, I, you know, I had seen um, Greg Nicotero do something at San Diego Comic-Con uh-huh. just, you know, last month. 
And I was thinking about how fast they applied the makeup. But if you look at Kate's face, they did the bruising really well. They swelled up her face. And as she was speaking, she was really only speaking out of one side of her mouth. So she was playing it up as well. And I was very impressed with her. Really good. Really, It reminds me a mm-hmm. lot of, uh, of some of Aaron Paul's work because he gets, you know, uh, somewhat no, spoiled. He gets many a savage beating of Breaking Bad yeah. and has to emote through yeah. a lot of uh, swollen eye sockets and yeah. busted lips. And it's it's... It's got to be somewhat of a difficult skill because you got all this uncomfortable shit on you. It's obscuring your eyes, but they're able to do such a great job. Um, next scene, Caputo. We, we, I, I was kind of confused when I came to this because Piper's in uh, in the shoe, kind of like how we began the season with her. And I'm like, <laughs> what the? F- oh yes, that's right. Caputo busted her stealing the paperwork. I guess I assumed that Caputo would see this as the gold mine it was right away, but it turns out he needed a little bit of handholding from Piper. Right. I was surprised too. I forgot about her being punished for something. Yeah. Um, and somehow Piper winds up with the upper hand in the scene saying, you know, I'll make a deal with you. Right. I'll give you this information if you make sure I don't get transferred. So all of this came back to me in the scene. I was like, oh, yeah. And it's, we were going to get rid of Piper. Yeah. <laughs> going to go to Virginia. Yeah, no. And and I'm like, it seems weird that Caputo would need someone to hold her hand because it doesn't seem like this is some kind of heavily encoded mob double bookkeeping system. It's <laughs> like this is an invoice for $70,000 of the plumbing that did not get done. This is an invoice for $200,000 of repairs to a gymnasium that does not exist. This is not Enron moving kilowatts from Arizona, Nevada to California. You know, this isn't that big of a thing to unravel. But Maybe this is one of the show's ways. You know, the show has been saying that men are not the brightest uh, all season long and last season as well. So maybe this is a way of... Genji's writing saying that, see, you've got to really be obvious with men and tell them what to do. Well, that's incredibly sexist, and I'm offended, but I must say that the, yeah. X, the XYs do not cover themselves in glory in this episode, for sure. Um, <laughs> Is that incredibly sexist? It was, there's no value placed on it. It was merely an observation. <laughs> Man, if I, you know, I, I'm a white, <laughs> straight dude talking about being offended by my portrayal on television. You can tell me to fuck off at any time. Seriously. <laughs> That so, was my corporate way of telling you to fuck off. Oh, okay. Well, I, 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 the corporate me heard that loud and clear. So, um, <laughs> you know who's not corporate? Uh, Caputo, because he comes storming into Fig's office with the files saying, I got you now, you dirty bitch. Uh, <laughs> she's sobbing, which is hilarious because it's always funny, speaking of men, this, men don't know what to do with women crying in the workplace. <laughs> and if you really want an uncomfortable situation, have him deal with a man who's crying. And it's just like, mm. and I, I kind of thought that this might shut down the confrontation. Uh, but he kind of, it, it, I, I don't know how to feel about this because she's confessing to her husband being gay. She should have known because he shaved his balls, which I'm like, what? She thinks that she's all hard and wrinkled and she used to be hot. And he's like, oh, no, you're you're a terrible person. But you're still sexy as hell. And just when she kind of gets her calmed down, he's like, oh, no, I'm still dropping an axe on you. And she ends up giving him a blowjob. Would you, like, care to comment on the scene? Oh, this was really... I think seeing her on the ground sobbing was so anti-Figueroa. You know, we've seen her rocking her Louboutins and right. being well put together in a tight little skirt, and she's wearing slacks. And I think... Caputo even makes a comment. He's like, are you wearing sweatpants? 
which is really, it's the uniform of any woman going through a breakup, right? You put your sweatpants on, you eat your Ben and Jerry's, you cry and cry and cry. Uh Um, So you think, I thought Caputo was definitely going to be, oh, I feel sorry for her. Let me cut her some slack. But then you could kind of see this building in him and he calls her Mrs. Fagaroa. A little inappropriate. And I went, whoa, that's, that's major, that comment. Um, she kind of woke up uh, and realized she was in for trouble, I uh-huh. think. Uh-huh. Um, and you did get the beer can reference in earlier in this episode, but here it comes again because she was performing duties on him to mm-hmm. try to stop the blackmail from happening. Yeah, didn't did not work. Um, it was a harsh scene. Harsh, harsh, harsh. And the thing is, is like it <sighs> – we Caputo has been kind of seen in this more noble light this season, but we really realize he's the same guy that was jerking off uh, to the thought of uh, having power over female prisoners in season one, because he's got the whole Pfizer daddy. I'd spank you real good. Uh, you know, suck my dick. I like seeing you on your knees. Those are some things that would be appropriate in the privacy of one's bedroom with one's partner. Certainly not something that you would say in the office if you're trying to snatch the moral high ground. No. Uh, yeah. Sex, I, yeah. Misogynist, sexual harassment, all these words in mind. Um, that's why I think it was so harsh. But um, he's got to complete... Capitalizing on her emotional fr- fragility as well. And, and especially since he's doing this whole thing knowing that he's got to get out of pig free card in the fact that <laughs> she's committed major felonies and, and all this other stuff. Uh, and then uh, to add insult to injury, she thinks that she smoothed this over with a blow jay and turns out, no, he's already given the paperwork to the warden, which, you know, well played, but also super gross, Joe. What the hell? Yeah, really just the whole episode was sort of heaviness after heaviness. I think that's why it was hard to get through it, because Mm. this is sort of the, the beginning of this downward spiral. Uh, we'll go back to another scene of Ingall and V. A lot of these are kind of the same. Um, I felt like they w- went back to the well quite a few times in the f- in the first few scenes before they actually got to something that was worth talking about. This, she's saying, you know, I feel like I'm spinning, like I'm on a you know a, a, a carnival ride. Um, I, I don't know if there's anything we want to say until a little bit later. Stop me if you disagree. No, no I, I think it was definitely felt redundant when we went back to in golden red even though they're both very good actresses uh-huh. i didn't feel like they were building the plot wasn't building necessarily it's sort of we we could have cut 20 minutes out of that yeah like easily. why why do we need this scene when there's a the exact same scene that's even more superior where they're talking about their sex lives and how their husbands were like and her right, masturbating right. sexy jesus that's a juicy scene <laughs> These first two scenes. <laughs> <laughs> As a Catholic, I was I was trying to say, should I be laughing at this? I was raised Catholic, and uh-huh. I was thinking, oh my gosh, uh-huh. um, yeah, it made me a little uncomfortable. But yeah, I think to your point, it was long, too many, too many scenes of the same thing over and over. I even felt like those little interviews at the beginning were sort of something they've done over and over as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's maybe just a dingy thing. She thinks that that's a a clever way of capturing plot in, you know, two or three sentences of dialogue. Yeah, I, I don't know, because it's not like this thing has to be shot for network television. Obviously, she decided no. to go, hey, fuck it, we're going to go to a 90-minute finale. But it yeah. did feel a little little patty. 
Um, yeah, it, yeah. I think I had really high expectations as well because it is the season finale, uh-huh. and I thought, oh, great, ninety minutes. This is going to be really juicy. You know, the season's been sort of building to a big crescendo of something. We didn't know what, right. um, but I, I just kind of felt like it was long, and that's not good. Next scene is Nichols uh, uh, basically telling Piper what we all, th- what the majority, uh, uh, some of our feedbackers. Uh, uh, accepted the majority of us want to say to Piper, which is get out of your fucking drama. Notice that my best friend is in critical condition in a hospital. Um, but you know, feel free to volunteer to stay in a shithole to get occasional visits from your demented girlfriend. I, I, I liked it. I thought that was something that she needed to hear. And it's something I needed someone to say. <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, Nichols, pointing out that Piper is just isn't an insight. You know, she's not family to Lynchfield. But you left out the opening of the scene where Nichols was asking if Figaro masturbates at work and was there a vibrator in one of the drawers. How did you leave that out? Well, I, 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 I wanted to tee it up for you. You know, it's like I, I sometimes <laughs> I, I, I stole the beer can from you by yeah. <laughs> jumping a couple scenes ahead. So I wanted you to have the vibe. But okay, totally. No, she, thank you. I think that's Maybe that's appropriate. I have no idea. She's fantasizing about the wrong assistant warden, obviously. Joe Caputo is <laughs> the office masturbator. Figaro is the office snacker. That's true, yes. Her addiction is to uh, snacks and vomiting, apparently. Mm. Do you, We should move on to the kitchen scene where Maria is sobbing. She's the one that has the mute baby daddy. Uh, she's on the transfer list. And Caputo sidles up to Bennett and says, Can you keep a secret? And I thought the aside where he where Bennett says, oh, yeah, and he's oh yeah, you seem like it, which is funny knowing what we know about it. Um, But he mentions that, hey, Fig's on the out. I'm on the in. Um, These next few days are crucial. I want to take upright standing guys like you and and bring you along with my ascent to power. And then he says, go ahead and be the hero. You let Maria know that I'm canceling all these people's transfers which goes over really, really well with the uh, women in the kitchen, obviously. Caputo's got this whole... I don't know if you've seen The Godfather 2. I, I assume you have. I have. But do you remember The Godfather before The Godfather? He was the guy that wore the ice cream suit, and he's <sighs> always like snatching fruit off of people's stands, and he had his hand in his pocket, and he's always tossing the apple in the air. I thought Caputo was just like this guy. Mm, interesting. He's got this very... Trying to show how big he is. Yeah, he's got this very, uh, you know, Peziovante, big shot kind of <laughs> uh, uh, vibe that he's got going for him. Um, yeah, so instead of fruit, he was eating the PB&J sandwich instead of <laughs> tossing a piece of fruit. <laughs> Indeed. But he did... He did. Yes. That, he did that's, and I will say, Caputo's initial attempts at management were pretty astute. That's That's classic good management 101. Let your people shine. Give them all the credit. Take all the blame. Take care of them. And that's pretty much all there is to being a good boss. Make sure your people need what they have, uh, need what they need, or have what they need to do their job. Give them all the credit. Take all the blame. And you're going to have a, as long as you're not surrounded by chuckleheads, in which case you need to start getting firing, um, you're going to have a pretty good time. Yeah, I, I thought a little bit differently. I agree that he was trying to give Bennett the opportunity to share the good news, but I still feel like Caputo did it so that he could look like a nice guy to the inmate. Certainly. But again, the core of it all. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's, that's fair, but I, I thought it was a decent, now he, he fucking falls down completely on the job later in the episode, but for now 
He's looking pretty good. He's looking very godfather right. he's feeling, Yeah, He's feeling good. He just, you know, enjoyed some activities from the belt below. And uh, he's feeling good, and he wants everyone else to have a little bit of uh, afterglow, I guess. Uh, next scene is pretty cute. Tasty and Pusey starting to rebuild their relationship under the guise of their incredible white women persona, uh, Amanda and Mackenzie. <laughs> I, you know, that's that. That's just is what it is. Uh, there's a lo- yeah. slight callback to the second episode where Pusey mentions as we're kind of um, camera panning off of her and on the Nikki confronting V, where she goes, "Red's my favorite flavor." That yeah, brings us all yeah, the way back, that, all the way back to the beginning. Uh, Nikki gets right up in V's face, does not give a fuck. V kind of brushes her off and walks past her through the cafeteria, and she's like, "What's wrong with you people?" Which starts the whole, "What do you mean, you people?" And she's like, "Blind people, you guys can't see what the <laughs> hell's going on." And uh, Lorna backs her up, um, tells V, "May you never have a minute of peace." Uh, pretty, pretty ballsy considering what's gone on in the prison of late. Yeah, Nikki was definitely brave in that scene. And even Morello, you know, she told Black Cindy and Janae to shut the fuck up. And I went, wow, you know, Lauren doesn't usually come across that way. She's much more sort of Betty Boop, but she was very direct about that. Yeah, interesting, because you think of V, or I'm sorry, not V, Red is the tough one in this family. But everyone, all the way down to sweet little Norma, is doing their part to bring V down in this episode. Right. I mean, Norma's because they realize, up. yeah, how evil V was. They realize that that you know that she crossed the line that you don't cross. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. We got Healy. Uh, we got Healy uh, unfolding out a table for his latest round of safe place. He's got some kind of high end Russian cookie uh, that he's putting <laughs> out, which is probably why nobody came. I don't know that Russians are renowned for their cookie making skills. Um, nobody comes. That's really- What's that? Saying that people won't go for Russian cookies in prison is saying that Russian cookies are must be really bad. Well, we have an authentic Russian uh, sending us feedback to the end of the at the end of the episode, so we'll have to get her her to weigh in on it. Oh, good. I hope so because I didn't notice that the cookies were Russian. I didn't look that closely yeah. until later on in the episode. I thought that was a nice little nod that maybe he had just I liked it. He had just like grabbed some things from home, and his wife's Russian, so you know. It's what he knows. Angie was uh, waiting to swoop in and steal all the cookies at the end. We next scene is uh, Big Boo and Pintatucky and Sophia. uh, They're all (laughs) pondering her new lesbian butch haircut. I know. I loved it. The lesbian haircut session. And uh, I like how Pintatucky was trying to make it sort of this cute little bob, kind of a snow white haircut bob. And Boo was like, no, over my ears or nothing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was the one thing that made me giggle. So I did giggle at least once in this episode. No, I thought it was super funny too because it's it kind of some. I was like, yes, because when Big Boo uh, said that, yeah, you gotta you gotta have it over the ears to run with the big boys, and she goes, well, isn't this all about women? She goes, I know it's confusing, and I'm like, yes, 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 it is. What is all this uh, gender bending uh, stuff? But I guess that's that's yeah. that's the point. Healy stops by and says, hey, just wanted you to know that uh, Safe Place been canceled. Super disappointed in you and stomps off. He didn't say that last part, but that was implied by the stomping. Next scene, the nuns have come out. They have turned out to support the ex-sister, and Caputo is concerned. He's very concerned about this uh, on his first day of the job that the, the that he's got to deal with this situation. Next scene is super. This begins like a really tragic thread where V just utterly mind fucks poor Suzanne. 
uh, and starts just nakedly planting the suggestion in her head that she, in fact, schlocked red and then tries to smooth over this cognitive dissonance with, but hey, I'll play Uno with you, ne- uh, you know, here in a bit. Uh, super uncomfortable, very bad feeling in my gut watching these scenes. How about you? Yeah, I feel so connected to Suzanne. Uh, The only note that I have for this scene is manipulative bitch. Yeah. I mean, it just felt like, look, how could V do this? Just completely taking advantage of Suzanne and Suzanne's loyalty and Suzanne's sort of blind love for V and twisting that around so that Suzanne's going to think she actually did something that she didn't do. Yeah. Just a horrible, horrible scene. And it's so effective as well. Um, and, and Suzanne is so eager to please and her loyalty is so nakedly taken advantage of. It's just terrible. Mm-hmm. It was horrible. Just horrible. Um, can you help me with this reference? Because I looked it up and on Google and I found a million people doing YouTube parodies of it. Like the first five Google pages were different women doing parodies of this. Stop. Don't talk to me. Loser, lame boy, wannabe. Did I miss a cultural phenomenon? What what is th- this is uh, Angie and Leanne practicing a dance to basically diss Pensatucky. You know, I remember a cheer that sounds similar to this because I did go to high school. Um, <laughs> I did go to high school, <laughs> but I don't remember the exact words. So the melody I remember, I remember sort of the the essence of the cheer, but clearly um, those two. It was Leanne and uh, what's the other one? Angie. Yeah, so the two of them, which P.S. are so like BFF now, they've become the Tweedledee and Tweedledum. Yeah, they've really blossomed from their really uh, from their nutmeg tripping and their being free from the uh, negativity of Pensatucky. Although Soso's not really cool with all this negativity, and especially all the slurs being thrown around. And uh, Pen- I, I like Pensatucky. He's like, well, we're using our words in lieu of violence, which I'm like, you know what? This is an improvement to bashing Angie's head into the, wa- the the washing machine. So you're right. You're right. Yeah, and she gives Healy um, credit for that, right? She's like, you know, even though she calls so-so the ching-chong whatever she said, right. you know, at least I'm not hitting you kind of thing. Right. Um, and so-so is very, she kind of stands up and she's like, I'm against bullying. You know, it's not nice for you two to be picking on Pensatucky. And Pensatucky's like, you know, she just... Gave her the hand. Is like I don't need you. I need yeah. you to help me. Yeah. I just thought, gosh, this, every, everybody's just so. This is mean. It's just like Mean Girls, you know, on steroids. It felt like an X-rated um, elementary school playground fight because, especially then at the mm-hmm. end, where Angie and Leanne are like, "Oh, Healy was so sad that you didn't show up for uh, his lame o safe plays." Boo hoo! He was just crushed. And I'm just like, man, that is mm-hmm. so. I mean, not that Healy doesn't deserve it, and I don't feel particularly sorry for him, but it's, you know, pretty pretty grade school, pretty playground recess right. stuff. Yeah, nobody was acting like an adult in this scene. Uh, so try to. Let's talk, about, let's talk about Alex and Piper now. Uh, All right. I, do you believe Alex's version of this truth that this is like a tragic O. Henry story she references, The Gift of the Magi, where... You know, I bought I bought you silver combs for your hair, and I sold my pocket watch to do it. And oh, I I cut off all my hair and sold it to buy you a silver chain for your pocket watch. And oh, how bittersweetly tragic! Uh, the her whole fo- folding on the plea deal. Do you 
buy that as a genuine character moment, or do you think that she just is? I, I she's lowercase e evil to V's uppercase e evil. Yeah, I didn't believe Alex's story for a minute. All of her behavior has been about Alex. Mm-hmm. So she wanted to get out. She wanted to protect herself. She was covering her ass. And how can Piper even consider forgiving her or wanting to see her? I mean, Alex definitely rolled over on Piper, in my opinion. I mean, you may have seen it differently, but nope. I just thought... power of the you're, pussy. You're so full of bullshit. It's the power of the pussy. She is... Uh, Piper is completely and utterly... Uh, Twitter pated with Alex Foz, it seems like. She has no idea how to escape whatever fascination she has with her. And I f- yeah. that's my reading. I don't feel like this is a legit a legitimate relationship. And in fact it's it's kind of toxic all around. We'll continue to talk how this kind of develops and how maybe we think it's gonna go for next year at the end of the at the end of the episode, but right. I, I ain't buying it. Uh she's talking about like yeah. you know, I was just going to say, the, the one good thing about this scene, you know, I agree that it's a toxic relationship. That's a perfect word to describe it. And it's sort of like, I think we've said this before, that Piper was, you know, she's been abused, right? She's abandoned by her best friend. She's abandoned by her ex-fiance. And she says it. Her character says, you can't leave me. I don't have anyone left. So, mm-hmm. like, Alex is it for her. Sure. But the reason, Part of the I, reason I, she has no one left is Alex Vaughn, <laughs> or Voss. Right. Right. And I... I think that the actress did a really good job um, in this, but I don't feel sorry for Piper. After two seasons of seeing her being self-centered, I, I don't feel sorry for her. Nope, and they sure they sure set up some crazy-ass drama leading into season three by the time the episode's yeah. over, but we'll get to that. Uh, Nikki, yep. Nikki and Boo has a confrontation where Nikki guilts her into helping her set up V. Again, the whole fucking prison is aligning against V. She wants Boo to give up the location where she stashes her shit, her her heroin. That's about it for that scene. Uh, Other than the candy wrapper chain necklace that Boo was making, that is about it for that scene. <laughs> Did you ever make those? Do you remember getting like the bubble gum, the double bubble, bubble gum, or, or no. something and making those chain necklaces? Oh yeah, no, that was I don't. Great. I made in, in in school. I made ninja stars with paper. Uh, yeah, well, I did that too. And, and, and footballs, paper footballs, right? yeah, football. and the paper footballs. But I couldn't yeah, like yeah. you know some of the girls were able to do those like uh, four way mouth things that could tell your fortune and yeah, like, and who you're gonna marry. Yeah, yeah. I, told, I did. Yeah, that was way above my origami skills. I couldn't. I couldn't pull <laughs> off the crane. Couldn't pull off the frog. No, 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 candy wrapper necklaces for Aaron. It's very tragic. Well, that's okay. As long as you could do the football and, you know, I could never really make a paper airplane fly clear across the room. So that was a skill I could never master. <laughs> um, let's see. Where did we um, – got a little lost on my notes. Um, oh, yes. Um, <laughs> Suzanne is already at this stage in the episode thinking that she did it because she can't find Lady Loxley, which is what she calls her combination lock. Tasty tries to say, look, V is just playing you. And Suzanne gets angry and upset and has their very – well, V's not a liar because she told me she's not a liar. And then things kind of get ominous when she says, in fact, she told me you would say a bunch of nasty things. And here you are saying those things. I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. You're mm-hmm. so easy to manipulate, which is the point. Yeah. And it's tragic. It is. And, and Uzo's portrayal, she, you know, the eyes were getting big in her expressions. And she was doing crazy eyes in this episode. I mean, in this scene here. Yeah. And V was so completely exploiting Suzanne's mental instability and you know V was just it made her just the villainous that was like I kept thinking to myself oh my gosh she's she's like take every 
Disney villainous times a thousand, and it's V. You know, they're able to manipulate the victim. But Suzanne ends the scene saying, but I'm not crazy. Right. I'm unique. That's true. And I thought, ugh. That's true. She yeah. is, yeah, she's those, unique. That's V. Yeah. V's way of telling her. Yeah. yeah. She's a garden rose. She's a garden rose, Bielani. She's a garden rose. Uh, Diane Bennett talk out in the yard and he's like, Hey, you know, I know I was supposed to stand up for my, stand up for us and confess to my sins and, and uh, go to jail and be this baby's daddy. But Hey, get a promotion and that could be more money for us. And, uh, he, he, he tells her the fig thing and Diane calls him a pussy for taking the money and promotion over doing what in her mind is right. This is increasingly hard for me to get on a side because, how do you make the best of a bad situation, which is what Di and Bennett have gotten themselves into? I don't really have a great answer. It seems like kind of the, the way to go if you really wanted to be maximally involved in your child's life and not live a lie for the rest of your life is to come clean. But on the other hand, you know, 7 to 14 years or whatever you do for statutory rape in the prison system and, you know, all the cover-ups and framing, that yeah, there's no good, there's no way out. There's no way, good, honorable way out. No, there isn't. And it's really sad because I like Diane Bennett a lot in season one. Yeah. They sort of were this, this hopeful couple, and it was so cute the way they they showed this side of life inside the prison. But I Bennett just, he is a pussy, you know? Um, he's, he's scared, and he's not being a man, and, and Diane is emotionally younger than she is, but she's about to become a mother, which means all her instincts are going to, how do I take care of this child? Certainly. So, yeah, she it's, calls Bennett a pussy, and all I said is, yep, he yeah. is. And it's the dark side of the Rihanna song. They found love in a hopeless place, but it's still, at the end of the day, a hopeless place. So... Yeah, well, I love the Rihanna quote from you. Thank Aaron. you, thank you. That's, Brilliant. That's all. I, I, I love me some Riri. Uh, let's see. Uh, by the way, I thought the funniest thing is you got to keep the fig thing on the down low. And like one of the very next scenes we get is everyone in the kitchen talking about figs going down, which never really kind of pays off. I kind of thought maybe that would pay off, but it didn't. It was just, yeah, no, this prison's unique ability to say the prisoners know everything and, but the administrators somehow don't get wind of it. I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, what are we talking about? Uh, uh, oh yeah, the Latinas. It is the very next scene. They're talking about figs, and you can't trust a bitch that don't smile with her teeth. Uh, words to live <laughs> by. Um, Norm uh, Gloria catches Norma trying to uh, remove a bunch of seeds from an apple, which I knew is poison from an old GI Joe episode, where right. they drive they 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 defeat a town sized amoeba by driving truckloads of apples in front of it. And it ingests the apples, and the apples contain arsenic, and it somehow kills this giant creature. Um, I oh my gosh, I co- I totally remember that. But you, it's just yeah. the seeds; it's not the apples. No, no, no. I but mean, obviously, it. we'd all be dead a million times over if apples. You know, it would not keep the doctor away. Um, but yeah, that's that's a true fact. But what Gloria says is also true that you'd have to eat like fifty pounds of apple seeds to get it. Um, and she says, and, and Norma thinks, oh God, you know, Gloria's making fun of me or going to bust me. And then Gloria says, Hey, there's other ways to do this. All you got to do is ask, mm-hmm. which has her, her, well, her face light up. Don't mess with Gloria. Boy, I tell you, I've already said that in the episode that I covered before, but I've got mad respect for her. Totally. She stood up to V. She's not afraid of anybody. 
one of the consistently funny things in this episode was O'Neill dealing with his um, his his Catholic school upbringing vis-a-vis yeah. his job babysitting these nuns. And what did you think of his theological refutation of uh, Catholic doctrine on the, uh, babies being born into sin with the baby baboon and uh, leopard cub pair story? I was trying to connect to him on that story. I'm like, where are you going with this? Where are you going with this? Uh-huh. Um, I, and, I, and I love it because you could tell he definitely suffered through Catholic school. Um, and in listening to it as someone who was raised Catholic, uh, it, I was sort of, okay, I want to understand where he's coming from because there's a lot of things in Catholic doctrine that I don't agree with. Sure. But I could see him suffering from sort of the, the guilt and the pain and remembering all of that, of the punishment from the nuns. They're professional humiliators. Make his point. They're professional humiliators. <laughs> yes, right. I loved it. I loved the nun, the nun's reaction to it. So Sister Ingalls is standing on her bed and she's seeing all this and she says "fuck" and Red remarks that did not know that nuns say "fuck." And we learn a lot of things about nuns: how they can potentially masturbate to especially hot-looking Jesuses on uh, a crucifix. And we learned, right, but it, she said, "Wait a minute, Aaron." She said, "An especially ripped statue of Jesus." And if ripped, we remember, certainly. he was starved. Right? It's not like he was on you know the South Beach diet or you know <laughs> eating paleo. He was starved, and that's why he was ripped. But for some reason, that became part of her, as they call it, her spank bank, spank bank image of Jesus. Well, true, wow. but you also have to remember that Jesus was had a perfect male body. So even if he missed a couple of meals, it still probably was banging. Okay. <laughs> I I have no reaction to that whatsoever other than uh okay. And so so they talk they kind of swap sex war stories. She masturbates to the Rip Jesus. Red had uh one very man who is wild in bed but tame in life and she married Dimitri who is tame in bed but wild in life. Uh she says one thing about her hairy backed husband. The man had a way with his tongue, uh especially in relation to her nether parts. Um, yeah, so that, this, again, this is the, this is the, this is the only scene we really needed as a kind of what's going on with these two. And I'm kind of puzzled why we had to sit through two or three other scenes before we got to this one. Yeah. All the other padding was not necessary. This was a brilliant scene. You know, Sister Ingalls, I love how she talks about how the release cracks her neck. So it's sort of like, (laughs) just, it's better than going to the chiropractor. She just has an orgasm and then she feels very relaxed. There you go, and and uh, your insurance will cover more than twelve of those a year. So yeah, well, um, that's 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 that you can take that to the bank. Um, <laughs> they basically decide to abandon their principles together. That the uh, sister Ingalls will give up the hunger strike if V if Red uh, doesn't hold this no snitching rule with V and recants her testimony to the SIS department. Um, right. All the sexy, sexy talk aside, that's that's the whole point of the scene. Um, really great work by both these actresses. In particular, I'm continuing to be impressed by Kate Mulgrew. There is the interrogation of um, Suzanne by the SIS department, and they said that, hey, we found your lock out in the greenhouse. And this whole interrogation, I thought, was also kind of hilarious, if not for the stakes involved and the fact that you knew Suzanne was literally putting her head into a noose. Mm-hmm. As she's talking, and you know, uh, th- th- like I said, a lot of stuff was very funny, and you, uh, 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 
they're very quick and the writing was very crisp. But at the end of it, the guy writes primary suspect in his notebook and we're starting to feel really bad uh, for crazy eyes here. Anything you want to add to that? No, I think it was tough because it was so well acted and it was very well written too. I loved how she kind of went in and out of character Mm -hmm. as Lady Loxley and showing her. But I think as a, investigator, you're thinking this woman is just off her rocker. She's not speaking to me as one person. But Suzanne was just brilliantly playing it, and you could just see how the stress was really kind of pushing her back deeper and deeper into distress and confusion. And and so you're right, it was very well done, but it kind of made my stomach hurt because, as you said, Suzanne was hanging herself with every word she said. Yeah. Um, We see then Lorna is taking Miss Rosa in the prison, the prison van to another round of treatments. And they're talking about like their childhood misconceptions, which I thought were pretty, uh, pretty cute. And, and Lorna's horrific retelling of Toy Story, which is a Quentin, which was a Quentin Tarantino esque tale of betrayal and murder and revenge is pretty, pretty top. I I like that. Yeah, her filter and perspective on how she she saw this uh, Pixar children's film was brilliant. Right. Then we go to V, who finds in her bunk a note says, "Dear mommy, I love you, but I had to go sign your heroin." So then I like I like the love letter. You know, there was this. You see the little hint of the letter peeking out from under her pillow, and if you look at it on first glance, it just looks like a child's drawing. You know, somebody would bring something home from school for to put on the refrigerator, and what happens is. It's a, a quote-unquote love note that says, your smack is gone, gone, baby, gone. Yeah, and it's funny because I'm like, what the fuck did is, – is Suzanne write something? Did she write some kind of like a kind of childlike goodbye to mm-hmm. V that where it's going to be – but no, it was obviously something that Nikki put, put there to make sure she rubbed her face in it. Yeah. Um, poor Black Cindy happens to be in maintenance kind of bopping out. Uh, v pops in and she says, hey, uh, uh, do you think about Jay-Z and Beyonce fucking? I think about it more than I think about myself. And V just snaps on her. And when Black Cindy tries to step back to her, she just snaps a broom handle and threatens to make True Blood uh, vampire slaying on her. Um, and V just does not give a fuck. Yeah, that was very scary. I mean, she creates a shank out of the broom handle, which can't be easy to do. No, I'm... Uh, I, that I, was... Uh, snapping that's uh you know that that's not they always say that uh you know as an impressive thing that like a snapping turtle can bite a broomstick handle in half and that's you're supposed to be impressed at what a feat that is i i you know just going down there and snapping it it's it's pretty impressive i was, I was yeah impressed. i mean i trained in martial arts i can break a board but i don't think that i could have just broken a broom like that and created the shank not only did she break it but she sort of twisted it in a movement, and then boom, it was right at Black Cindy's neck. And I thought, damn, this is hardcore. It was all staked and ready to go. Um, Yeah. So um, this was significantly more badass until I saw the season finale of True Blood in which Anne Paquin snaps a similar shovel effortlessly. Like I said, it it cost cost a couple badass points for V in the process. But uh, Well... They're much prettier in True Blood also, so they kind of have that going for them. Um, O'Neal, again, bringing the comedy, is serenading the nuns with his banjolele, which is a combination (laughs) banjo-ukulele. And I love his songs that he's just antagonizing these these women with. (laughs) 
uh, and he like builds on it because he's like, you know, why are you here anyway? Because she's not even a nun anymore. And she's like, well, Catholics don't believe in uh, divorce. So as far as we're concerned, uh, she's still married to Christ. So then he launches into a thing about uh, a song about his mom and dad who should have gotten a divorce. And I would love to see, I hope that on the extras on the season two DVDs <laughs> that inevitably will come out. I hope that they have multiple takes of him improvising on this banjolele because I couldn't get oh, enough of yeah. it. Oh, yeah. You know what I hope for? You didn't ask what I hope for for next season, but I hope that we see, uh, you know, spoiler alert, Mike Urbigula is going to be in season three. Maybe we can have some sort of duet. Mike on his guitar mm. and um, O'Neal on the banjolele. The banjolele. Banjolele. I could not get that word to save my life. Wouldn't, you, wouldn't that be something? There's like a talent show inside the prison, and the two of them are together. That would be badass. I'm fully on board with that. That would be, that would be full. The comedy side would come out definitely, and you know, leave the dramedy a bit. Because I do agree that O'Neill is funny, funny, funny. Um, but musical bits are always nice to lighten the mood a bit. Sure. Uh, Red talks to Healy, uh, who comes to visit her in a sick bay to kind of guilt trip her into. You know, and to just basically rub in her face that hey, Suzanne's going to to federal, you know, to a, a supermax prison because of you. Hope you feel good about herself. And goes, no, no, I want to recant. And he's like, yeah, it's too late. I don't give a shit. <laughs> and uh, he's like, you know, where was your conscience back then? And Sister Engel said it was buried under her mistrust for the system. And he says bitterly, you know what you get when you try around here? Not much. And kind of he's back to being uh, fuck it all, Healy. Uh, anything you want to say about the scene? No, I think Healy's had his eyebrows furrowed this entire episode. All I wrote down about him <laughs> in the scene was bitter. Yeah. That's all I wrote down. Totally. He's just been, he's had the same expression the entire episode. It's been sort of this furrowed brow, not happy, feeling like everybody's picking on him. He's trying to do the right thing and no one appreciates him. So that's just bitter Healy. Uh, speaking of, uh, some, some downer moments, we're with Miss Rosa. She's getting some bad news from her doctor. Her, Punk-ass prison guard will not leave the room so the patient and the doctor can consult in privacy, which I'm not even sure if that's actually a prison regulation. I, I, does HIPAA not apply to prisoners? Um, I, I don't think HIPAA does apply because really? the prisoners are property of the state. Yeah, but I mean, they don't still... Don't quote me on that because I'm not an HR professional, but... I, <laughs> not I, a prison HR. I, I'm actually... <laughs> I'm not an, I'm not an HR or a prison HR professional, but I feel like they are wardens and properties of the state, so it might be it might be accurate that he's not allowed to leave. I, mean, I don't know. Yeah, we should ask our listeners if they know. I do know that prisoners have been found to have the right of free speech under certain circumstances, but also that obviously is greatly curtailed by the fact that they're in prison. So I, I don't know. I'm not sure what rights do apply and do not apply, but there's some hideous HIPAA violations throughout this episode. This is just the start. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, chemo's not working. She's got three to six weeks, which I that's every time I hear about a person, and I've had a couple friends. I've had uh, one really good friend that got this news um, where he went in for a cough, and the doctor's like, bad news. You got six to eight weeks. And 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 something similar happened with my grandma, and I've always wondered what that feels like to know. I mean, because everyone knows you you're going to die in the abstract, right? And the older you get, the more sure. kind of comfortable. But to know with absolute metaphysical certainty that in in, in three to six weeks you're you're going to die. You don't feel like you're dying now, but you're you're going to die, and it's going to be a pretty terrible death. I that that 
how do you deal with that as a human being? Well, I think that's tough when you think about it from Miss Rose's perspective because she, she's known she's been sick for all these years, but maybe there's been some small glimmer of hope that she's going to be okay mm-hmm. with the chemo. So maybe she she had something in her, you know, and then she um, she saw that young man who was getting to have a positive outcome. Right. All of a sudden he was going to be okay, right? right. The asshole. Right. Um, so maybe there was some hope in her, but then she says to the doctor, talk to me as if I were a person you loved. And he still just delivered it so dryly and just said, chemo's not working. I predict you have three to six weeks. And I felt like her gut just, that was it. <laughs> like, why bother doing anything anymore? Yeah, I would put in my notes as like, uh, actually, talk to me like someone you hate because it's got to be... <laughs> I, right? Maybe, I, maybe it's I, opposite day with you. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that he has no loving relationships in his life if that's the way he delivers news to someone that he loves. Goodness gracious. Give me the news like you're my, my worst enemy, doctor. <laughs> I got to say, so we had some incredibly dark moments, but we have a burst of uh, sunshine where Maria and her baby daddy and her baby... Uh, are so heartwarming that I don't even care that it came out of nowhere because there was nothing in this character's arc to suggest that this guy was going to totally rise to the occasion and completely flip his entire personality script on its head. And now they're so happy because they're going to get to stay with their mom. And I just, it was almost too much, too much happiness after, uh, after the, the, the bitter sorrow I just consumed. What did you think of this scene? I think they probably edited out a lot of that relationship because the last time we saw him, he was not saying a word. And Ruiz kept saying, you've got to talk to her every day. You've got to read to her. You've got to sing to her. You've got to make sure she hears your voice. Yeah. And in this scene, he was just could not shut the guy up. He no. was just so cute. gaggling, right. bubbly and sweet and talking about the stories that they're reading and just, you know, yeah, it was definitely a big ray of sunshine over this sort of dark and uh, foreboding episode. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Maybe the guy got hypnotized or something, but uh, it was, it was pretty heartwarming. Uh, do you know what wasn't uh, Piper and uh, Larry okay. and Polly asking for her blessing to have a relationship? What, what the, the fuck, fuck is wrong with these right? people? Right. What the fuck? With all these people, Piper when she's down, they come in and they're like, "We want your blessing." With all the people with genuine problems going on in this prison, these two people come in here and decide that they're like, because you know, you're you're super important, your friendship, and you know, you're we're. It's like matter of fact, you're not going to be out of our life. Come on, don't be ridiculous. And I just, if I was Piper, and I'm not a Piper fan, I don't know if you got you've noticed this. I've I've kind of kept it on the down low. Shocker. I've kind of kept that buried, that opinion. Uh, yeah, but well, it, that's a true unbiased host as you are. <laughs> but it, <laughs> if I were her, I would have flipped the double bird and been like, take these people off my visiting list. Yeah. This is this. It was like, this just tell them to go fuck yourself, although they've already done it apparently. But yeah. But Piper th- showed some emotion, though. Did you see that? She does. She, she, was she, she does. Sarcastic. She does. Pissed. Yes, she does privileged outrage very well. Um, and the other thing is, I would like to be totally on her side, but on the other hand, she did bring – again, Polly and Larry are fucking idiots. But on the other hand, the whole marzipan nipples and the fact that she rekindled this relationship with her lesbian lover while she's still engaged to Larry – 
I, it's it's hard for me to get too wrapped up in how outraged she is and her friend's behavior because she, her behavior herself is, itself is outrageous. So what the fuck? Oh, they're all horrible. They're all horrible people. It's like um, a cracked. It's, part, yeah. it's like a cracked mirror being held up to a frozen puddle of piss. It's just an infinite reflection of awfulness. Ooh. Very, very clear image there. And I like the frozen puddle of piss because you slipped a little alliteration as well. Thank you. you very know, nice. Nicely done. That's why I get paid the big bucks. <laughs> <laughs> Only when people are um, subscribing to Subbable. Uh, yes, the, 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 uh, the, uh, I get paid 27% of the big bucks. Um, Maybe that could be a new reward. They can like You can write haiku <laughs> for a certain dollar amount. We could all do it. Actually. Fun fact, I love, I love writing haiku. Wouldn't that be fun? Bald move haiku. There's got to be some dick jokes flipped in there and maybe the seven-syllable lines. Mm, The seven syllables. got. Yeah, it's always got to have a dick dick reference on that seven-syllable. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Uh, We better not put that out there too much because that may be a big, big... Um, money maker for bald moves. New a new backing funding level on Subbable. It's going to go up tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see here. Oh yes, uh, Healy has a problem with the butchy types, and Pentatucky kind of confronts him about it and tries to, uh, in her way, connect with him as kind of a a friend and mentor figure, and say that and this is what he's been wanting to hear the whole season, right? Uh, yes. You're the only one in my whole life that's ever taken the time to talk to me. This had a huge impact on my life. You seem like you're good at your job and you care. And just as he's hanging on her every word, she slips in. I will not finger her and I will not let her finger me. <laughs> yes. And she gesticulates with her index finger right in his face. In case he, in case he didn't get the reference. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So uh, we're kind of like not sure exactly what Healy uh, has, you know, kind of kind of makes of this whole situation. We have a nice little montage of Norma and Gloria going about to work on a voodoo potion to make the evil V go away. Yeah, bring the Santeria back in. Here we go. Apparently, the recipe for taking care of an evil witch woman is a uh, a flaming tampon, dog hair. And some rock dust that is blown onto the person, and that's just VOA. Were there still apples in there somewhere? I felt like there were apples working. Could be apples. There was eggs. There was de- there were definitely some eggs in, in that bowl as well with the flaming tampon. Uh, you know, a little apple seed, a little bit of arsenic never hurt anybody. We then see Healy try to talk to Suzanne. And so apparently this Pensatucky thing has revitalized him because he's trying to get back in this investigation before it's too late. It kind of heartbreaking again because you can tell that, you know, Suzanne, she goes, I always liked Red, and she reminds me of this character on the Christmas specials, and Healy's like, you know, she she says, I I can't trust myself. I can only trust V, and he tries to talk her out of that, but she, at this point, I don't even know that she knows what the truth is. No, she's just confused. You know, her instability she can't figure out where the truth is. She can't get her feet on the ground anymore. She's right. completely off her kilter. Right. Um, let's see here where you got fig versus Caputo. She's cleaning out her snack wrappers and she correctly predicts, Oh, what the Warren gave you a trial run, uh, which kind of partially deflates him because that's, I always love that. That, that, uh, that has been used against me by employers where, you know, whenever you're getting your big shot, it's like, Oh, well, we'll give you a trial run where we don't pay you what you're worth just you know just to extract 6 months to a year out of you to see if you're going to be able to do the job uh it, you know it works on the best of us uh he finds out that she actually did not get fired she resigned with a commendation from the warden from the warden 
who is a politically savvy animal that doesn't want to piss off her gay husband. Ah, yes. Okay. And and, and get the whole uh, you know, whole another scandal on on the prison. Uh, and she says, Hey, uh, you're so idealistic. Let's see how you last in this job. See how long your principles last you, which turns out to be prophetic. Uh, anything you want to to say in the scene? No, I think you captured that very well. I actually didn't catch why she was able to resign versus getting fired, Mm. but you're right. It was connected to her husband and her husband's rise uh, politically, which may play out in season three. Interesting. Yeah. It would be interesting to see her not go away and kind of hang around. (laughs) Tasty and P continue to talk it out in their guise of Amanda and Kinsey. Something that I completely glossed over when I first watched this but has had new meaning is the reference to the Outlander novel, which has been made into (laughs) a uh, kind of cult hit show on the Stars Network. Oh, yeah. You know, about the time-traveling woman that uh, sexes it up with the red-headed Scottish dude. Um, So Cindy and Watson show up in the middle of this to parlay. And the the uh, black girls, the black women, rather, realize that V got no people now. Mm-hmm. She has V as And V's in, on a mission, right? V is on a mission to get her drugs back. And and she is, as as a result, is V as invulnerable. Um, and the again, <laughs> it's it's not looking good for her at the whole prison rising up against her. Next scene... I we, was so happy, though, before we go on. I sure. was so happy that um, Poussey makes a reference to Back to the Future and how she had all this stuff in her backpack every time she left for school, just in case, you know, just in case a DeLorean showed up, she'd have stuff that she needed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was also delighted to see that all four of these women were back on one team. I felt like everything kind of was coming together and things were getting right, put right again, despite the, yeah, you can tell that kind of the, the prison is starting to heal. Next scene is red and the sister again, red says, Hey, at least I made the effort to come clean. So you got to eat something. And she does. She starts to eat a muffin when Caputo runs in. She hides the muffin. And he says, look, I did something for you by block to transfer, which she didn't even know was going to happen hilariously. And he goes, now I need you to do something for me. I need you to eat something. And her and Red really ham it up. It's kind of a mirror of Caputo um, giving in to Soso's demands and her hunger strike, even though that's what they were going to be doing all along. Um, so she, uh, she eats the muffin and, uh, gives Caputo the win he needs. Yeah. It takes some of the dents out of his beer can, right? He's getting another win after the, uh, the kitchen win. And now he's got a sick bay win. Yeah. Penis is getting fluffed again. (laughs) Meanwhile, Healy is trying to do some good. He asks loose check about, uh, uh, Suzanne and whether he might have had her on assignment and he clearly did not, but he's willing to fake a work order to have Healy owe him a favor. And I wonder what this idiot is going to try to do or extort out of Healy next season. Yeah. I don't feel like it's going to be anything big because Lushchik hasn't really impressed me. No, he'll probably ask for a pack of smokes or something. He's kind of that (laughs) kind of guy. Um, (laughs) The, the one scene that I thought just didn't work for me is V going back to Tasty and trying to do the whole how's my girl thing. Um, and this is why you don't go totally paranoid evil overlord because you alienate everybody and you have to do something ridiculous like try to win back the affections of someone you just spurned the last episode. V, so why did you think that it wasn't – why did you not like this scene? I don't think V would think the Tasty is this stupid. Tasty is an extremely smart person, and yes, she's mind-fucked her for 15 years, 
but she had to really work to get her affection back at the beginning of her president uh, uh, at the beginning of her prison stay after she had fucked over Tasty uh, by just abandoning her. This she actively fucked her over, actively ostracized her, and I don't think that maybe th- maybe this is just V being desperate. But I thought that. And maybe she had to try, but it just seemed like I don't I don't really buy the character V would have done that. She would have done oh, something else. I thought a different way completely. Oh yeah? What's I that? I thought is V is the sociopath, not realizing that her power was actually unraveling and thinking, No matter what happens, I'm invincible. So mm. I'm just gonna go back to where I started, start with my tasty girl and get her back on my side and everything's gonna be all right. I really thought that. I thought V thinks in her bones that she can get Tasty back on her side. Uh, not a bad take. Uh, so we go back. Did you notice the music? No, I did this, not. I don't n- notice the music very often in this in this uh, show, but the music in the background is definitely very foreboding. Sort of this something something wicked this way comes was playing in the background, and and the girls decide, well, we're going to go recant. So you are in trouble. You have no family. You're all alone. Um, and the sociopath that V is is like, all right, well, I'll find somebody because I don't need you. Uh, yeah, the, the only thing she finds is a sewage tunnel and uh, does her a little reenactment of uh, uh, Shawshank Redemption. Uh, <laughs> moving on, Lorna is driving Miss Sosa or Miss Rosa back to the uh, prison, and uh, the the correctional officer, male correctional officer says uh, just bluntly and another massive HIPAA violation that, uh, Hey, she's only got a few more weeks to live. Dying in prison is fucked up. And then he turns on the radio and jams out the breakfast at Tiffany's, which again, I thought, I don't buy this. Nobody's that fucking oblivious. Nobody can go from, if he's that oblivious, he wouldn't have made the empathetic connection to how fucked up that situation is. Yeah, nobody's that ignorant and nobody's that insensitive. It just made him look like a complete douche. Right, and I feel like they did that because they didn't think that maybe Lorna would, or Morello would actually set Miss Rosa free unless she had that big shove in that direction. But I feel like that's totally within Morello's character. She's a big softie. Yeah, I I agree. They didn't need that. I, I feel like it just was another slap to the face of men in the show. Oh, well, you know, you know men, are, men are somewhat one-dimensional in this show. And, um, yeah, I just felt like this guy, he he also, I think if I remember back, he's never been nice to any of the inmates, right? He didn't bring a soda to Morello like the other guard used to do. And so he's just a dick. Yeah, just a dick. No other word for it. Uh, so but I don't, like you said, I don't think Morello needed that to, to do something for Miss Rosa. She didn't need it. Agreed. Uh, So-so sidles up to Piper in one of the women's washrooms and says, this is the loneliest place I've ever been, and I've lived in a tree for eight months. She talks (laughs) about – she kind of hints that she wished she took Piper up on her prison wife offer, not realizing that that was just her taking the piss out of her and trying to win – you know, trying to get her blanket back for Big Boo. And she says, I won't be the same after this. And Piper says, maybe that's okay. And I'm like, yes, that's right. So, so you need to tone it down a little bit. Prison beats a little bit of the hippie out of you. That's probably okay. And she tells me, no, it's not fucking okay. She wants to be able to cling cling to that. So yeah, keep that crunchy granola as long as you can. Just, just live the woof another day. Um, I'm not mad at her. The next scene is the conclusion of the SIS investigation where, 
Uh, Suzanne recites her We Have Manners, We're Polite poem, which is, forms the basis of the title. And there's one SS, or SIS guy who has con- a conscious, and he tries to be like, is this really what we want to do? Is this the story you want to tell? And the other guy's like, look, I got to have dinner with my wife. Uh, we need to get the fuck out of here, which is all you need to know about this show's opinion of the prison system. When Healy swoops in to save the day with the falsified work order, a lot of a lot of theme of people doing the wrong thing for the right reasons and people doing the right thing being brought down by random hap- happenstance. I'm not sure mm-hmm. what kind of life philosophy Jinji uh, Cohen's trying to espouse here. Yeah, it's hard to feel any good in this episode, in this season overall. I, I have a lot of friends who were saying that they didn't like season two as much, and Crazy. I think it was this kind of stuff. Wow, there was no. There was no sort of happy ending, so to speak. There was no where's the core good in things. Yeah, yeah. I think when Uzo Duba was at the um, for your consideration event, she talked about Suzanne and the character is everything Suzanne does is done with love. The core of everything she does is love. Huh. And I think if you think about it from you know if you've ever taken acting classes, when you do scene study, that's what they tell actors to do is to find the love in the scene. I'm having a hard time finding love in season two of Orange Is the New Black. I love the show because I think it's well done, but it's there's no feel good part of it at all. Well, again, as Rihanna said, it's a hopeless place, and uh, sometimes it's better not to find love. <laughs> um, <laughs> Caputo's cleaning out uh, some fig wrappers, and he's got his plants. I did not notice uh, a bottle of Jergens lotion anywhere. Maybe he's given that particular habit up. That he's taking a step Ew. up. You can't be an assistant warden and still be jerking it. Uh, Bennett comes in to confess, and Caputo doesn't want to hear any of it. God damn it, it's his second day, and he's going to sweep all this under the rug. In fact, he's going to threaten Bennett. If you don't keep your mouth shut, I'm shipping Daya day out of here. And after Father he's... Father the town pump, too. I mean, just... Oh, yeah. horrible. Just horrible words. And you can tell, because the second time he says it's my second fucking day, he's got this lost, like, my God, I can't believe i'm sacrificing my principles already like this Mm -hmm. this thing that fig said is haunting him although third thing i'm calling bullshit on this would be the perfect time to deal with this scandal it's your Mm -hmm. second fucking day dude pile it all on figs find all the dirt pile it all on fig man I, I just like what what why why would he carry this weight when he could just he could just make it a part of the corruption of the other system and he would not be far off. Yeah, it's almost like you could see Fig in a thought bubble over Caputo's head, yeah. saying, "You just you can't fuck me over because the warden's on my side." Maybe that's what he's thinking. I, I feel like the other thing is maybe he's just not that bright because kind of kind well, of going back to the beginning of the yeah. podcast, he needed some. <laughs> Piper wasn't there to spell it all out for him. You've got a giant, yeah. you know, uh, uh, an out here, but but he didn't take it. Going to be interesting. Going to be yeah. interesting now that he tried to do the right thing. What's Daya going to think? How is this going to play out next season? Uh, especially since everybody in the fucking prison knows this truth. And I just, you know, I don't know. Uh, not sure how much patience I'm going to have with this storyline going forward, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, Piper and calls. I still think Ben is cute. <laughs> that's that's perfectly fine. That's perfectly fine. He can still be a terrible human being and hot as hell. He's a pussy. Yeah, he's pussy, but he's he's cute. So maybe Caputo can get a blowjob from Bennett next season. So <laughs> well, there you go. Talk about inclusion. <laughs> Piper calls in a favor from Polly and Larry. She wants to 
and and in a scene where she, her face is maniacally crazy, she wants <laughs> to tip Alex's probation officer that she is going to violate her probation and wind up her back in prison. And somehow this is a great plan. I don't know what the fuck Piper's going to think. I do not know what the hell their relation is going to be like next season. Although it looks like all signs point to that being resuming. And again, little nervous about how much patience I want to have with that as well. I think they might draw that out a little bit and not let Alex know that Piper tipped off the probation office. No, I can see Gingy no, uh, smoking a big fat doobie and thinking, oh, this is so brilliant. It's a total inversion of season one. Like, no, 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 <laughs> no, this is not a good idea. We all hated that part of season one. Uh, Caputo's day is about to get worse because V's nowhere to be found. The golden girl with the octopus tattoo discovers the pipe is open and V emerges from the other, other side. Um, man, everything just starts to happen really fast. Uh, we've got, uh, Nikki is trying to smuggle the heroin back into the storeroom cause she's got an elaborate setup for V, which is already does. She doesn't know it, but it's, there's no point. However, she was really staring longingly at that 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 uh, massive quantity of heroin and big boo plants in her idea that maybe we should just keep this. That's Ugh. not healthy for poor Nikki, who no. you saw how bad she was fiending over the little Splenda size packet. We got pounds of heroin now that she's got to worry about. Um, I know. I don't want to see Nikki die from an overdose. I don't either. But I am. I am. This is. I am interested in where this goes next season. Yeah. This is great. We're moving back into Oz territory. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Gloria and Norma are super cute when they find out the lockdown is all about V being disappeared. They're like, "Uh huh, Santeria coming through for us again." (laughs) Alex is in her apartment and she accidentally pulls a gun on a parole officer and. I kind of feel like maybe Piper thought that Alex, this is what Alex wanted because that's what she said. And she doesn't realize that everything Alex says is a lie, but the look on Alex's face is not the person that's relieved that she violated probation and is no. parole and is going to go back to the big house. She did not want to go back. No, no way. Super upset. Uh, but I guess she'll be back for season three. There's a conversation next between Soso and Piper. Are they going to try to set up a love triangle between Soso and Piper and and Alex? Oh, am, am I am I completely no, no, am no. I completely crazy in thinking that that the whole like you know I wish I had a prison wife the 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 whole um, you know trying to, to to bond with Piper wearing the white wife uh, wife beater with the nipple showing. Uh, I, I felt like there was a little bit of maybe so-so being so lonely that she wants to latch out to the most awful thing that she can cling on to, and it's oh, I, oh, I hope not. I hope not, but I see your point. Maybe it's – I was thinking that so-so was more sort of the foil to Piper and, and the Piper in season one where – you know, I'm lonely. I'm, I can't figure out my way. This place is changing me. So maybe Soso's going to have a bigger part next season if, yeah. if she gets harder, you know? Yeah. Well, that would be, I kind of, I, so, so much like Piper in the first season has kind of been less terrible in the last few episodes. So I'm kind of interested to see where she goes with it. Um, mm-hmm. We get a prison montage of basically some post V healing. All the women are kind of back and talking to one another and they're taking care of one another. And it's kind of, almost like the environment that you'd think so, so would really like to see, except for at the end of the montage, 
Suzanne is just piteously sobbing with her Uno box that she's lost her best friend, and it's it's terrible. It made me yeah. feel a lot of feels that I wasn't expecting to at this stage of the heartbreaking. episode. Heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. I it was just so heartbreaking. She put everything into those tears, and um, she was despondent. She was yeah. It made yeah. It kind of made me sad. Probably going to win another Emmy next year. Definitely going to be nominated. If she's not, then that's just wrong. Wrong, baby, wrong. I feel like we we did a little bit about this pre-podcast. I feel like Orange is going to dominate the female categories next year. There were so many excellent performances. And none right? of this guest star um, bullshit. It's going to be straight supporting and starring role stuff. Yeah. Uh, Morello decides to free Miss Rosa. Don't, don't you die in here, Miss Rosa. Go fast. Uh, and I love how her, yeah, her hamming up when uh, – you know, we see Miss Rosa gun it, and she's like, "Oh Lord in heaven, no, Miss Rosa, you're going to know it's going to be terrible." Uh, she's like, "Oh my stars, oh my stars, <laughs> what is happening? How could that have happened?" Um, and another pretty hilarious scene: Caputo's walking Sister Ingles down to talk the nuns down to tell her that everything's good. She's walking through their lines when a suddenly he sees this 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 van come roaring down and he yells to O'Neill, <laughs> scatter the nuns! And O'Neill's like, run, nuns, run! Run, she, nuns. She smashes through the checkpoint. V's simultaneously running through the woods. Miss Rosa is rocking out to Don't Fear the Reaper because, of course, she is. Uh, she sees V and runs her the fuck over. Yeah. Did you, when did you see that coming? Did you see that coming? And how shocked were you? I, I was the first time I watched it. I didn't see it coming, so it was a good shock for me. Yeah. However, when you when I watched it the second time, and they did the you know one of the opening interview scenes, when all Miss Rosa said about V was that she's rude. Always she so doesn't like her. Always so rude that one. Yeah. Always so rude that one. And so Miss Rosa is a woman of few words, but obviously very decisive action. She was like, I'm gunning it for your sorry ass and taking you out. Yeah, what are they gonna do? Try me for murder? I'm dead in three weeks if even if they catch mm-hmm. me. Which is a strong possibility since we hear increasingly loud sirens wailing in the background. I liked how she transformed back to her younger self and, and kind of laughs as the the cops are chasing her. I was kind of choked up about that, too, with the, the arc that I we know, she this lady. That adrenaline rush back that she loves so much, right? She loves that feeling of trying to be free and, and the excitement, and so she got some happiness in her own way. Yeah, if only if only she could smell smell up some money. Hopefully she yeah, maybe, maybe she'll instead of trying to run for it, she'll pull over at the nearest convenience store and and rob it, and <laughs> you know sniff sniff all that money, and then you know I don't know I don't know what they'll do. It, it'll be interesting to see whether she's still on the lamb or whether they. I mean, it seems like they're just going to catch her. She's an old lady in prison uniform driving a prison uh, van. There's not. This is not Harrison Ford and a fugitive, right? That's 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 the episode, and that is the season. You have any other? I mean, we're gonna have a uh, we're gonna have a season wrap up next week, which you're welcome to the call in to participate on if you if you if you would like. I would, yeah. I definitely want to know the time and try to make that work. All right. Um, we do have. Uh, do you have any other uh, closing comments for the season slash episode? And then we have got a couple pieces of feedback to read. No, I think the only thing is, uh, I I did have very high expectations for this as a season finale. 
Um, and it was much darker than I expected. Uh-huh. And unfortunately, much longer than I expected. I, I do think it was too long. I, I'm um, with you. I think 20, easy 20 minutes could have been taken out of this episode. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. It didn't have to be 90 minutes, but sort of drew, drew it out for no reason and sort of drew out things that didn't have to be drawn out. We didn't see a ton of did, did, Maritza. I, yeah. Did we, and did we didn't we, see a ton of that. Did we need to see Piper and Larry and Polly? I feel like that she could have called and asked that favor just based on the previous episodes. No, we didn't need them. Maybe there's some sort of contractual thing where they need a certain number of minutes in an episode or something. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. on some Netflix accounting. Um, <laughs> let's get it. Cause we got some really good emails. First up, Sheena yeah. R. Uh, she's got some uh, answers that we had for the whole shot system because she's a prosecuting Great. attorney for a County in Michigan because it's, uh, the County she lives in is somewhat of a backwoods County. We have several prisons and deal with all the prisoner misconduct cases that are submitted for new criminal charges. Let me break down how this works. At least in Michigan, it could be very well different in other States or on the federal level. Uh, This prison itself has an internal criminal justice system of sorts. If a prisoner violates a rule, a misconduct report or shot is written up by the correction officer that witnessed the behavior violation. The prisoner is then entitled to a hearing if they deny it. I have never seen such a hearing, but my understanding is the prisoner is giving an opportunity to give her or his side of the story. The corrections officer gives his or her version, and then the hearing officer makes a decision. The hearing officer also determines the punishment, such as loss of privileges, extra hours of duty, restitution, days of detention, etc. She continues, a prison can also violate criminal a prisoner can also violate criminal laws such as possession of drugs, contraband, possession of a weapon, assault on a prison employee, etc. These cases are investigated by a detective or a detective sergeant assigned to the prison. The detective sergeant investigates the case like he would any other crime and submits a report to our office for review and filing of criminal charges. At that point, if charges are authorized, the prisoner goes through the system like anyone else, up to and including a right to jury trial with, if they are found guilty, prison time being added to their current sentence with fines, costs, etc. One interesting thing of note, almost all chargeable crimes committed in prison are a felony. So even though simple possession of marijuana on the outside is a one-year misdemeanor, a prisoner possessing controlled substance is a five-year felony. Wow. Uh, that is kind of an interesting thing. I did not know. I thought shots were kind of like, you know, letters to go in your permanent file and if you get a couple, but it seems like shots are a much bigger deal and handing out five yeah, handing out five weeks pretty fucking excessive if this is all the rigmarole yeah. it's going. Uh we have a list Maybe that's what happened to Rosa. Ooh, she just couldn't stay out of trouble. Right? She could not. You know, she was feisty. She does Hot seem like fiery. feisty. The the cancer is what took the piss and vinegar out of it. Although not enough to say V's, V's sorry ass. Uh, That's right. Alice from Russia, all the way from Mother Russia, says, Greetings from Moscow. I've been hanging in here because of the political situation that gets worse and worse every day. Um, oh. She says in parentheses, I'm one of the many who think that lunatics in power here are doing terrible things and are dangerous both for this country and the world. So your podcast mm. really helped me to get my mind off of gloomy thoughts. Uh, first off, Alice, thanks for writing in. I, I hope every I, – I hope – that you guys all stay safe. I hope we do not end up in some kind of crazy world war three situation. Um, but it's certainly scary. And, uh, it's nice to know that, uh, we got some, some friendly faces all over the world. Absolutely. Thanks. Uh, she says on to the feedback. I think the orange and new black is one of those series that starts off not so strong, but keeps getting better and better. We'll see what they do next. And if they'll able, able to keep this trajectory in season three, to my mind, the last episode of the second season is by far the best. Although the little detective story is a bit simplistic, this episode is structured so well, and she thought the timing was perfect. 
I won't go into much detail, but I want to stress that the very last scene was magnificent. The actress who played Miss mm. Rosa did such a great job portraying the incredible range of mixed emotions, the surprise of the suddenly given freedom, the confusion about what to do next in this world that she doesn't belong any to anymore, the moaning of her life that is basically over, the last drop of satisfaction after hitting V, and this breath of fresh air at the very last moment, the celebration of life when we see Miss Rosa young again, Ah, it was so perfect. It was like a poem. In fact, being the Russian that I am, I would like to end this letter with the ending of a poem by Joseph Brodsky that, to my mind, fits the last scene of the episode perfectly. As if your life can start again, and as if there can be bread and light, a lucky day and something's left, as if your life can sway aright, once swayed a left. Thanks for taking the time to read this. Um, you guys are doing excellent work, and I wanted to be part of it somehow. Well, thank you, Alice. That was a very nice message. And I think I'm kind of running out of steam. I'm a little sick this week. I know you're jet lagged. This is a long ass episode. But you're right. Miss Rosa and the actress who portrayed her did excellent work portraying the breathing of free air and the sudden taste of freedom after basically being condemned to dying in prison. Right. Alice, that was beautifully written. Um, thank you for the poem. And I agree, you know, Miss Rosa, I don't think we expected Miss Rosa to be the big hero at the end of this season. Yeah. The, and I uh, love that she was. She's Judge Dredd. She was the law. She was Judge <laughs> Dredd and Executioner for V. Again, we've got uh, a wrap-up episode that I'm going to try to get as many of the women in on as possible. We've had, uh, I, I do believe we've got the confirmation of Susan and Amy. Uh, we're going to get Pilani on here. Cecily's coming back. I think Kelly wants to, but we'll see if we can get the, the schedule to work out. And of course, Nina is going to be in, uh, we'll see whether we do it as a bunch of separate small phone calls or we get everybody together and have a big on air bald move slumber party. Not sure how that will work out. If you'd like to give us, that would be interesting. (laughs) Yeah. Like a, a seven way Skype call. I, I, that seems like a nightmare, but also it could be awesome. It could be awesome. We could all sort of be one big, like, we're all in our bunk together. Yeah, um, it could be like the hurricane episode. We all get together exactly. and we sing pop songs from the 90s, girl power anthems. It could be one, <laughs> it could be something wonderful. If you'd like to send feedback for that, fi- yeah. if you'd like to send feedback for that final episode, do so at orange at baldmove.com. You can also participate in our show threads on facebook.com slash baldmove. Pilani, I forgot to let you plug your blog. I mentioned I, I got all geared up to do it, and then I got excited and I forgot. Could you give us your diversity nerd blog uh, if, if people like to know more about you? Sure, and I know you put it in the show notes, but you can learn more about me at uh, diversitynerd.wordpress.com. Just talks a little bit about the work that I do. I talk a lot about sort of the entertainment that I watch, and um, hopefully you guys find it interesting. I appreciate the plug. No problem. All right. Thanks for uh, participating in this experiment of mine. I've been tickled pink with the way it's gone this season. I've had a lot of fun discussing the episodes with you and all the other women. Really been a unique and fun experience, and I hope we can maybe work together on some other shows in the future. That sounds great. And I want to say mahalo nui loa to you for the opportunity, but also to all the listeners who write in for the reviews and the Facebook threads. It's a lot of fun to interact with everybody, so that's been a great experience. Indeed. All right, we'll see you hopefully next week. Until then, I'm Aaron. And this is Kiki Bye-bye, y'all.